0: Hey there, I'm Stan Baker, one of your hosts for the Podcast Circle Forum. In this week's podcast, Shelley Steele, Steve Young, and I discuss the importance of knowing your why. The COVID pandemic has everyone re-examining their lives and looking for meaning and purpose in their lives and in their work. And what's really interesting to me is that when you know your why, your how and your what become more impactful it's important because otherwise you're probably just going through the motions of a day-to-day existence. So if you've ever wondered, what's my purpose here? Why am I doing this particular job? This podcast is for you. To give you a heads up, and it's probably no big surprise, but it's going to take some time to step back to reflect in the middle of a very hectic day or week or busy life. Restorative Practices offers the opportunity to work through your purpose, through your why, by using a fair process. Thirdly, making reflective conversations part of regular staff meetings is easy to do and very important. Want to find out more about restorative practices? Check out our website, www.restorative.ca. Drop me an email to stan at restorative.ca. Let's join the conversation already in progress with Shelley, Steve, and me, Stan one of the things that comes up in our training an awful lot is the idea of knowing your why that is what is the, the reason behind you're doing what you're doing maybe you could just explain we can talk a little bit about what what is that why uh all about
1: for me when i think about my why it's it's beyond my profession and often that's where people um, go as to why they're doing the work they're doing for me you need to go deeper than that is my why of how I move through this world what do I believe about people how do I believe about how the world functions because then that drawn that will drive my work that will drive my community connections that will drive my hobbies whatever that is it's deeper than our work and and just looking at your work itself is a it's a kind of a safer way to go and talk about kids and students. And um, so, you know, I encourage people to when they're thinking about their why to go step outside the classroom or the school and think about your why as a person.
2: I see within the teaching profession for years. I mean, we're, we're all in, in the schools for years and years and years. And we talked about what motivates people. Why did you want to get into teaching? And for some people, it was a nice job. Hey, it's a great job. I get my summers off and I get well paid. But the difference between a job and a career or a calling is the difference between uh, just doing your job versus I know my why. My why makes it my calling. When I understand why I got into this, that I'm here because of, you know, I want to work with kids because I know I can make an impact. I can make a difference. And I'm going to take do the extra things that that help me do that. That's my why. And so, you know, we started talking about this because we go back to the video that we showed a lot of our trainings of Know Your Why, that when you know your why, your, your actions become more impactful and you tend to do things at a deeper level and you, you maybe work a little harder and put the extras into your lessons or you follow up with that kid that's, that's been missing assignments by calling home and stuff. Your job doesn't say you have to do that, but your why tells you you have to do that. And so when we know our why, we become better at our job, and and so you know lately a lot of people are debating why am I why am I working so hard as a teacher when nobody seems to care? And why am I doing all the extras when the guy down the hallway is getting paid the exact same money as I am and he's out he's part of the three twenty track club and never does the extra stuff? So why am I doing it? So a lot of people throughout their career weigh that and mull that over. But you really got to know mm-hmm. why you got into this business in the first place.
1: It is interesting, right? Because everybody looks at other people's jobs or their actions through their own why, too. I can remember as a child and youth counselor at, at schools, people saying to me, why don't you just go back to school for one more year and you could be a teacher? That's not what I want to do, right? I know I make a lot less money than you. I don't have some of the things, but that's not where what my why is about, right? I love to be around kids and I love to teach, but in a different way, too.
0: And I think that why really gives you that sense of purpose and meaning. And I think if there's anything that people are looking for right now in their lives, never mind in their works and I work, and I loved how you kind of distinguished that Shelly, like you said, go a little deeper than just your, the, the function of your work. what's the purpose behind, like is, is just showing up for your job and getting paid, is that all there is? Like, is that the purpose? You're just doing this for the money and for the vacation? Or, or like, what's, what's the deeper reason that will drive what it is that you're doing? And I'm wondering then, what are some examples of, of a deeper level of understanding of a why? Maybe even just personally.
1: Well, I think for me, I mean, a very simplified one would be that I do believe given opportunity, people can make change. And that's very simplified, but I mean, your why doesn't have to be complicated either. It's just where you operate from. So if I was a why that I didn't believe that you whatever you're dealt, you're dealt and there's no option for change, then I shouldn't be doing the kind of work that I was doing. Right. Um, You have to believe you have to have a why that connects and that, and that, as again, I said, that is your, that will demonstrate your, by your actions and how you, you move through the world and connect with people.
0: And and I think with that, then it's it's not just that people can change, but I can change,
1: right? right. In facing
0: right. certain circumstances, if people can change, then I need to know that I can also change when I'm encountering situations that are new or difficult or challenging or outside
2: of what I'm used to.
1: Right, that we always can learn.
2: And I think for me, um, my why kind of changed over time, but essentially because of the, the types of school that I worked in, as a teacher first, and then as an administrator, um, recognize that although academics are important, they aren't everything and that there's a greater reason for schools other than just to, to pound away a curriculum and produce academic excellence, which was probably in contravention to what a lot of my my superintendents were trying to get me to do. But like I firmly believed and always, and di- always did is that there was more to school than just academics, that we had to provide a place where uh, kids wanted to be that there had to be something going on there that drew them into the school every day and while academics were important for some they weren't important for as as important for everybody that there were other reasons so that's why i coached teams and i ran I mean, inter-real yes. programs and and did all those extra things and built santa claus parade floats and all those extracurricular things that we know are, are helpful and i didn't just do it because i like to do it i did it because i knew that there was a purpose for for all that that for some kids you know, showing up every day for volleyball practice is what got them into school and kept them in school because they were good at, that, at athletics or they're good at bed or they were good at art or whatever it was. And I, I think a lot of people out there agree with that. And so my why was always trying to provide that whole school approach to, to developing a child. And so that's why restorative hit me so well because it, it talks about developing the whole child and those relationships and the, the things that, uh, you know, kids want to be, they want to, be friends with their teacher and they want to like their teacher and they want to have those casual conversations during lunchtime and stuff like that because those are the things that interest kids that used to happen during intramurals and sports and, uh, and clubs and you just don't do it anymore so now we have to do it in a different way
1: your why is that everybody has value every kid exactly. has value right that is now i'm saying what i'm hearing but uh you know that's that sounds like where it, it doesn't matter there's all sorts of value and every kid or every person.
0: So let, let me just take Shelley's push, Steve, to just push you a little deeper and take your why outside of a school context. What difference does your why make in non-school
2: kinds of connections? Well, it's the same thing. If you look at community, I'll, I'll try to take my politician hat off but, or my future politician hat. Off, but or your past politician. My past politician. <laughs> and, you know, maybe my <laughs> Maybe my thinking puts me 10 or 15 years behind everybody else's. But I'll be honest, you know, community has been lost and all that kind of stuff as the world has changed and people are working, you know, far greater hours and the two-parent family working and all that kind of stuff, that the sense of community has been lost. So developing that sense of community in a small community, I live in a small town, but even in a large city, where are the community centers? And what's drawing people out to socialize with with other people in their community. What are some of the structures we've observed that
0: prevent people from realizing their why?
1: I think we first have to start with having people really think about that question. We don't often have to take a quiet moment and really be reflective and think about what my why is outside of being in the academic setting. So what is it? Because once you're clear on what your why is, that helps you with some of the structures that we're going to talk about, but it it does help if you don't know what it is and you're just floundering around and think, I just want to do nice things for kids. That's not really solid. Um, So that doesn't help you navigate through some of those structures.
2: There used to be a saying when I, when I first went to principal school, there was this saying that if it's academically sound, it's administratively possible. In other words, if you have an idea that is good for kids and it makes sense, we'll figure out a way to make it happen. And I still believe that. And so we just have to really start thinking outside the box and working with the people ahead of us to say, here's our idea. We know this is good for kids. We know this is what they need. We know it'll work. And we have to somehow put this into place. How can we do it? Now let's think about how we can do it.
1: It's kind of sounding like fair process again.
0: Yeah, it does sound like fair process. And, and, and part (laughs) of, part of, I think, uh, Teachers, let's talk about teachers in particular, not being able to get to their why, is the structure of leadership. The teachers, in effect, by the way they are supervised, are not trusted to actually have the competence to be able to make the decisions that need to be made in the classroom about learning. And so it feels like that high level of control is there. But there's not the corresponding support. Support. So that the the control you have to have this done, you have to have that done, you have to. So there's lots of control, high control, which I think is important. But without the high support, it becomes authoritarian, mm-hmm. and uh, and teachers are are just weighed down with that burden of expectations without the corresponding support. So part of the structure that I think needs to change is that leadership. Piece. And now we get into firm and fair and back to fair process again. Right. I think
2: you're right, Stan. There, there's a fear of making mistakes. Yeah. There's, you know, I'm not going to, I, this would be a great idea. I think I want to try it. But if I try it and it doesn't work, I know I'm going to be roundly criticized by some parents. And I'll, you know, I'll have to explain this and it's going to make my life miserable. It's not worth it. And so you're right. There needs to be that support from their administrators, whatever, to say, the teacher's trying something new and, and different and it didn't work a hundred percent, but it's worth trying. And there's always that one parent that says, yeah, but my kid suffered because of it. And here's, you know, here's who I'm suing and I'm calling my lawyer. And so with that always hanging over people's heads, teachers are going, it's not worth trying. It's not worth trying. The, the attitude or the, the climate we're in now is always about if you do something wrong, you're going to pay for it and you're going to pay for it publicly. And so it's not worth it's not worth it. I'll just do the simple. I'll just walk it, walk down. Just the tell the me what
1: to do and I'll yeah. do that.
2: You tell me what to do and I'll do it. Cause I'm not going to do anything too much.
0: Okay. So one of the things that came up for me a number of times in the, in the board, when I was working is, although I was working with restorative practices, often principals would call me in to say, look, there's a teacher that, uh, that I'm working with that is really struggling in terms of their performance, their performance review. Um, Is there something you can do to help (laughs) restorative practices as a last ditch effort? And generally speaking, my first conversation with the individual would be something along the lines of what is it you're really good at? What is it you love doing? What is it that is a breeze for you as teaching? So for example, if it is in teaching language, then, okay. So what is it about teaching language that you could use as your strength in some of these other areas around classroom management, for example, or if you're very, very strong in art or in drama, how could you make drama a central part of how you address all these other areas of the curriculum? And if it's classroom management, how can drama become part of that? How can storytelling? And so starting with the strength of the individual, but it takes getting to know them. It takes asking them that question. It takes giving starting... them time to
1: think about it.
0: And, and <laughs> just like with our kids, our students, um, we want them to work from what they're good at from their strengths, as opposed to all the deficit, uh, you know, approaches. So part of getting to my why is allowing me the opportunity as a staff member or a teacher, the opportunity to really be able to try, like you said, Steve, to try out these things that are within my area of strength without fear of recrimination and, you know, somebody give me a big lecture in the office or whatever it happens to be. Because then I'm just going to, as one person described, I'm going to wear beige and duck, right? right? I just don't want to stand out. Just do your job. So practically, in terms of restorative approaches and restorative leadership, what are we saying people can do to help them to get to their why
2: and realize their why? Well, getting to your why is unless you're willing to sit and reflect, you're not going to get to your why, but sometimes you need the help of other people to guide you.
1: going to say to
2: your why. So that's why we've always talked about, you know, those, wouldn't it be nice if we could doing a staff meeting, we could just have a nice little talk session. Let's talk about why are we all here? Why did we get into this? And, and, through discussion Mm -hmm. people even if they don't participate they just listen they're going to start to think about their own reasons Mm -hmm. why did i start this career path and what am i getting out of it and why am i really here you know that's how you get to your why not everybody is very self necessarily self-reflective of their career choices and whatnot until somebody challenges them with it and then they have to start to think about it so put it on the agenda is what you put it on the agenda exactly.
0: And put it at the beginning of the agenda as opposed to all those other business items. That's right. Wouldn't that
1: be a great exercise? And almost what you were doing with that staff member, Steve, that in in, in Stan, in pairs, that that's a part of the agenda. And it could be at just at the beginning of every staff meeting, and you're not going to get to everybody, but you know, this you're going to work in pairs. And then a few guiding questions. Like, what is it that gets you excited in the classroom? What is it that what your strengths are? And and just ask the person some of those questions in, in a very safe way, just the two of you, because that starts the reflection. And we know when people are able to do things that they feel confident about and they're strong about, they light up talking about them. So I'm um, just giving that opportunity to be in a structured way. And here's some questions you can ask the person who's sharing with you. You know,
0: three of my favorite introductory questions are what's something you're celebrating, something you're planning or uh, something you've learned. And you can answer any one or all three. And, the conversations mm-hmm. and the connections that start to happen, even if it's just a go around at a meeting can really, really be helpful. And anytime you're getting together with someone, it can just be two people to just ask, so what's something you're celebrating, something you're planning, something you've learned? And maybe you don't have something for every one of them every time, but right, you got some conversation going. Everybody has something that they're planning.
1: So I think just to pick up on the restorative piece and knowing your wife from what Steve said. So give people opportunity, but also give them, um, some structure of how to do that. Because if you haven't done that kind of stuff before or been given the opportunity to take a moment and do that kind of thinking, just like for students, you might need a little structure to move through the steps of the thinking. So not just to tell people to figure out their why and share it, because you're not going to get to those next levels down by doing that. If you watch people, when you ask them about some of those things, you will physically, we when we say light up, you really do. Your eyes get brighter, you may sit up taller. So you'll know when you're hitting those things that people do feel good about. And that is a strength. Um, so that's a great place to work from. And we don't necessarily know what we're doing that. But now we're talking about something that we're passionate about, or excited about. And we have a physical change as well as our voice changes and all those kind of things that everybody has value. I'm just thinking about something I used, to, I wonder if this would be helpful. I used to use it with Um, teens in particular that, you know, what, you know, what do you want to do after high school? I don't know. You know, they're really having a hard time seeing the future. And I would say to them, well, what did you used to say when you were little that you wanted to do when you grew up, when people would ask you those questions? And and they could come up with that answer, right? And then that would move the conversation forward. So I wonder for adults, it would be the same thing. Think about your your 10-year-old self or your 8-year-old. What did you used to tell people you wanted to do in the world or whatever it was, and and get them back there before there was all this other stuff and this noise to think about that gets in the way of your why
0: I wanted to be a truck driver
1: why did you and, want to be a truck driver?
0: Because I could sit up higher than everybody else and see further down the road and okay, so further down the road so yeah. then in college and university, that's what I did for my summer job. I drove a truck, I loved it and. Surprise, surprise, I now own a truck that I love to drive. I love to drive. I guess it's no surprise that we landed on some restorative practices to help you with your why. A fair process in a restorative context means that there's engagement. Everyone has an opportunity for a voice. There's explanation. That is, there's an understanding of the reasons for whatever decision it is that we're making or where we're going. And there's expectation clarity. We all have a shared understanding of where it is that we're going together. You can learn more about Fair Process and take advantage of a lot of the free resources we have at www.restorative.ca. Subscribe to our podcast at Circle Forum on YouTube. Drop me a note if you wanted to consult about any of this to stan at restorative.ca. And let's work in purpose by sharing our why with others.